Greetings, podcast universe. This is Gary Stern. And this is Lucy Sang. We are the co-hosts of After the Glory podcast. Every elite athlete has one thing in common. Their careers on the field of play will only be a tiny fraction of the life of meaning and purpose they hope to live. As UCLA alums from different generations, Gary and I have discovered that the stories of these great athletes go far beyond their statistics. It is our pleasure to share these stories with our listeners. We hope you will enjoy this latest episode of After the Glory. Welcome to another edition of After the Glory, where we explore the world of the elite athlete, not what happens between the lines on the field of play, but the lives of meaning and purpose each athlete seeks once their playing days are over. I'm your co-host, Gary Stern, joined by my colleague, Lucy Sang, owner of Resiliency, life coaching for athletes. Today, we are honored to present to you a very special episode featuring lifelong members of the Los Angeles Dodgers family as we pay tribute to the City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Our guests today are former Dodgers general manager and architect of the legendary 1988 World Series champion Dodgers, Fred Clare, plus Dodgers champion players Reggie Smith and Steve Yeager. Today you will not hear from our commercial sponsors, but rather announcements about the great work going on at the City of Hope, located in Duarte, California, a suburb of Los Angeles. Fred Clare was an integral part of the Los Angeles Dodgers from 1969 to 1998, including its general manager for 10 years starting in 1987. Most famously, Fred was the architect behind the legendary 1988 Dodgers World Series championship team, including the signing of Kirk Gibson, whose iconic home run in game one of the series set the tone for the Dodgers to take the series in five games. Before Fred's time as the general manager, he was the vice president of public relations for the team after a successful career as a sports journalist. Fred was instrumental in creating the Dodgers brand of Think Blue. But Fred's greatest battle was yet to come, as he movingly describes in his recent book written with Tim Madigan, entitled Extra Innings, Fred Clare's Journey to City of Hope and Finding a World Championship Team. Fred is joined today by his very good friends, popular and successful Dodgers Reggie Smith and Steve Yeager, well known to yours truly as equally popular coaches at the Dodgers fantasy camps I have attended. Reggie Smith was one of the most talented and respected outfielders in baseball during a 17-year major league career from 1966 to 1982. Reggie was raised in the Los Angeles area, drafted by the Boston Red Sox, where he had a stellar first minor league season, resulting in his elevation to the big club at the end of 1966. Reggie went on to success with the Red Sox through 1973, where he was a part of their World Series team in 1967. During his time with the Red Sox, he was forever influenced by the legendary Hall of Famer Ted Williams. Reggie was with the Dodgers from 1976 to 1981, during which time he appeared in three World Series, 1977, 1978, and 1981, the last resulting in a World Series championship. Reggie was a stellar outfielder with one of the great arms in Major League history, but it was hitting that made him famous and led to his continued involvement in the game since his playing days. After his playing career was over, he taught hitting to USA Olympic baseball players, spent years with the Dodgers, including at all levels of their minor league system, and established a renowned hitting academy in Encino, California. Steve Yeager was one of the great defensive catchers in all of baseball. Hall of Famer Lou Brock said Steve 
was the best throwing catcher he ever saw. Steve played 14 of his 15 major league seasons for the Dodgers, where he was known as a leader and clutch hitter. Steve played for the Dodgers from 1972 to 1985 and was part of the World Series teams of 1974, 77, 78, and 1981. And in 1981, he was the co-MVP of the World Series that the Dodgers won. After his playing days, Steve remained with the Dodgers as a minor league instructor. He was the catching coordinator for the team from 2012 to 2018, coached and managed an independent league ball, and continues to be a popular Dodger wherever fans gather to discuss the great Dodgers of the past. Outside of baseball, Steve is fondly remembered for his role in the iconic movie Major League and is co-owner with his wife Charlene of a Jersey Mike's franchise in Granada Hills, California. We know you will enjoy our conversation with Fred Clare, Reggie Smith, and Steve Yeager as they also take time to honor the city of hope. And it is our privilege to welcome former Dodgers general manager Fred Clare and Dodgers champions Reggie Smith and Steve Yeager. It's great to see all of you during this incredibly difficult time. Uh, how are you holding up, Steve? How are you holding up during this pandemic? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. The family's fine. Uh, everybody that I know is, is in good shape. I'm just waiting for it to uh, stop. That's you all. got it. We've been Reggie, busy. same thing. You doing all right? Doing okay. He's still hanging in there. And I like to say still on this side of the grass. There you go. <laughs> and Fred, of course, you are an inspiration. We're going to talk a lot about uh, your book and so forth. How are you doing? Are you holding up all right? I'm doing well. Uh, doing uh, wonderful and feeling very blessed. Uh, fabulous. Fred, I want to start with you since this episode today is about baseball, life, and the work of the City of Hope. I'd like you to talk about the two teams of which you are most fond, the L.A. Dodgers and the City of Hope, and how they are similar as teams. It's clear from your new book that you draw a clear connection between those two teams. And I want you to know this, both Lucy and myself uh, have been hit in our lives uh, with our families by cancer. And quite frankly, your book, which I've completed, caused me to choke up more than just about anything I've read in recent uh, years. For our audience, the book is, quote, Extra Innings, Fred Clare's Journey to City of Hope and Finding a World Championship Team, written by Steve Madigan. And it's available wherever you can get books. Fred, tell us about how the book came about and this connection between the two teams uh, that you write about. Well, the way the book came about is uh, I was introduced to City of Hope in 2016 uh, when I had been diagnosed with uh, neck cancer, uh, head and neck cancer. It started, uh, and the reason I went public, with a very small spot on my lip from exposure to the sun. And um, I went public because I wanted others to know that the need for protection. Those of us in baseball and so many walks of life spend a lot of time in the sun. So um, when I went to the City of Hope, I uh, was struck by this incredible team, the way that the City of Hope cared about people, cared about its patients. And um, it, uh, it brought a lot of thoughts to my mind about um, the other team that I had been associated with, uh, the Dodgers. And I felt great similarities of uh, great organizations run by uh, great leadership. In the case of the O'Malley's, of course, the uh, case of the Dodgers, the O'Malley family. And so I wanted to do what I could to call attention to uh, City Hope. In uh, 2016, 
I got a very severe diagnosis of the cancer, but I knew I was in good hands with City of Hope. Fred, can you tell us more about your friends here, Steve and Reggie? You know, they're both longtime baseball men and have impacted the sport on and off the field. Tell us about your friends, maybe a story or two about their characters. Well, I have uh, many stories. And uh, <laughs> when, you, when they were introduced earlier as champions, uh, that's what both of them are. You will never hear them talk about it. Both uh, Reggie and Steve played in four World Series. Uh, they didn't just play in World Series. Uh, they helped lead their teams to World Series. And when you talk about character, uh, I can't think of uh, any two players uh, who I've known who've had more character. I was never in a foxhole, but if I was in a foxhole and I could select uh, three people to be with me in that foxhole, two of them would be Reggie and Steve because these guys are tough. And um, with all of their accomplishments in the game, and both of them started at a very young age, um, but they had great careers and are great uh, champions with tremendous character. Fred, I'm ho I hope I'm the third person in that foxhole with you all. <laughs> Steve, could you do the same with your friends, Reggie and Fred? What, what about them stands out to you? Well, there's so many things that stands out. Uh, we, we've been together for a long time, especially Reggie and I are, I feel, uh, we're, we're great friends. We're teammates. Uh, we were together for so many years. We know each other forwards and backwards, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for Reggie, and I don't think there's anything Reggie wouldn't do for me. Uh, the friendship lasts forever. I mean, you talk about coming together as a family. It was a family. It's just not Reggie and I. It was a whole team. And we did things together. And Fred, of course, uh, you know, he started off as, as a little public relations guy at the Dodgers. Next thing you know, he was a general manager, and he just went crazy. And Fred's always been very nice to me. He's always been very nice to the to the players. Uh, I, I can't think of a nicer guy to uh, – to come on a program with and, and, and can communicate and, and what a job that Fred's done with the City of Hope. And Reggie, your turn. You know, uh, Steve described it as, as a player and him being uh, one of the finest catchers that uh, I had played with. And then fortunately, I had an opportunity to to play with some, some pretty good ball players. But more than that, he's a good man. You know, he helped me with my uh, academy, and I knew I could call on him whenever I needed to provide uh, instruction Went to young players that I had in the school. Just knowing that I could pick up that telephone and call him to get help was, was, was tremendous. And it's the same that we could rely on him when he was a player. Fred has been a mentor to me. When I was making the transition from player to coach, and coach to understanding the what it took to be on the front office side of it i i, I learned a lot from fred the the ability to uh, communicate with with people that work for you and, and people that work with you uh i i still count on him to today for things that he's in especially things that i'm looking to do after baseball and uh, Fred has been there for me as a mentor and, and, and a really, really good friend. 
You know, Reggie, let me follow up with that. Uh, uh, this show is about the journey of the ball player uh, getting to the elite level and uh, and then uh, the work that, that they do to transition to life after uh, the playing days are over. Tell us a little about your journey. It started, of course, at Centennial High in Compton, and you really spent almost no time in the minor leagues before coming up to the Red Sox at the end of 66. Take a moment, and then we'll come back after the commercial, but start us off with that early uh, effort to get to the major leagues. Well, actually, it started when I was uh, 15 and a half years old because the Negro Leagues uh, had just started to break up at that time, and what players from the old Kansas City Monarchs used to come out west and teams would come out west in the barnstorm, well, they started a Sunday league and uh, in, in playing on Sundays, and I actually played with the remnants of the old Kansas City uh, Monarchs, and we were called the Royals at that time, along with many other players uh, out of the African-American community in L.A. that uh, became so. I was blessed to have had that experience, plus having two players that had played in the Negro League live on my street, one across the street from the other. And then going into high school, uh, I, I wanted to play football, but I was small. Uh, I didn't really grow until my uh, uh, sophomore year in high school because uh, coming into high school, I was five foot two. And Reg, uh, Reggie, let's break there um, and, and pick that up when we come back. When we come back on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Seng, more from Reggie and Steve about their journeys uh, into baseball and after their playing days. When we come back. Friends, this is After the Glory co-host Gary Stern. One of the great things about Baseball Fantasy Camp is the chance to meet some of the finest people on the planet. One of them is my friend Dan Roman. About 40 years ago, one of Dan's weekend baseball teammates was diagnosed with leukemia. He asked Dan to be tested to be a potential bone marrow donor for him. In fact, the whole team was tested. Unfortunately, there were no matches. Dan did not think much about the experience for a long time until he received a phone call from Be The Match, the global leader in bone marrow transplantation operated by the National Marrow Donor Program. You see, Dan's donation is kept on file. And so it was that in that phone call, Dan was told that he had been identified as a match for another leukemia patient. Bone marrow donation is not an easy process, but Dan never gave it a second thought. That patient was consulting at the City of Hope. Dan was treated like royalty at the City of Hope, where he eventually also donated stem cells for the same patient. The result? The recipient only had weeks to live, and due to the City of Hope and Be the Match, Dan's new friend Sharon lived for an additional four years, four very important years in her life as she was given the chance to get to know her grandchildren. To this day, if you ask Dan Roman, a successful businessman and a heck of a baseball player, what was the most important thing he ever did in his life, he will tell you it was helping Sharon, a patient of the City of Hope. So, my friends, consider a simple donation to Be The Match Registry with the City of Hope, Be The Match, and you, there is always hope. And we're back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and our guests, Fred Clare, Steve Yeager, and Reggie Smith. Reggie, when we were, just before the break, you were taking us through the uh, the, the journey to the major leagues uh, uh, and started, of course, with an excellent career at Centennial. Why don't you kind of take us through that uh, to, to when you started with the Red Sox? And if you would include at that point the impact that a guy named Ted Williams had on your early career. Well, having graduated high school, my dad got sick, and I was going to 
go to school and play football. But at that time, there was no draft. So you could sign with any team that you wanted. And it was an opportunity for me to do something to help the family. And dad was a little bit upset, but I wound up signing with the Minnesota Twins. And that year, I have to going out and playing uh, uh, two months in the Appalachian League. They sent me home and told me to go check back into school. And um, I wound up being taken as the number one player at that time in the what they call the rule five draft now by the Red Sox so I wound up with a major league uh, contract in December of uh, 1963 and on the major league roster with the Red Sox and it was at that time you know I went to my very first spring training and had a chance to meet the great Ted Williams and he took an interest in me particularly because Oftentimes, rookies, young players didn't get a chance to get batting practice because they would either run out of pitchers and the coaches would have tea times that they wanted to make and you didn't get any batting practice. So they would tell me, if you want to hit, you just take the bucket of balls out there and throw them up and hit them. Well, I took them literally at it and that's what I did. And one day, Ted Williams was coming out through the uh, dugout there because he used to try to get away from the, the media and then and the fans in the stands. So he would sneak out through the field there in Scottsdale, Arizona, at old Scottsdale Stadium. And he saw me out there hitting, and he came up to me and he said, Bush, what are you doing? I said, well, they didn't have any bad at practice pitchers, and they told me if I wanted to hit, throw the balls up and hit them. Well, I used to hit rocks as a kid, so that was easy, and I had to do it from both sides being a switch hitter. So he told me, Pick the balls up and meet me down at the batting cage. And uh, from that time on, he saw that uh, I was committed to learning and wanted to learn and get better as a player and as a hitter. And uh, he would spend that time with me. And it helped me, too, to articulate quicker through the minor league system, you know, being on a major league contract. And roughly after two and a half years, I wound up coming to the major leagues to stay with the Red Sox. Uh, it's, an, it's a great story to have a Hall of Famer like that involved in your life. Steve, similar story or differences in terms of how you made it to the major leagues? Oh, it's, it's a little bit different than what Reggie had. I mean, Reggie had Ted Williams. If I had Ted Williams, I might have hit 250. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Damn sure. But, uh, no, it was, it was difficult. You know, I was uh, – I remember I, got, I graduated from high school in June 6th and 67. Yeah. I was signed – drafted June 6th. I signed June 9th. I left June 12th for the first time in my life, and I've been gone ever since. But uh, I was a number four-round draft choice for the Dodgers. And my first induction to Tommy Lasorda was in 1967 in Ogden, Utah, for the rookie league. But the first couple of years in the minor leagues, I was uh, a broken hand and a broken wrist. And the only year I played in the minor leagues on a full-time basis was double-A in the old Texas League at Albuquerque when Monty Basco was our coach. And I think the world of Monty Basco and uh, he was just super. Uh, anybody that came in contact with Monty Basco, uh, Red Adams uh, were just you're lucky because they were so, they, they, they meant so much to me, both of them did. Uh, I played all year. I went to spring training, I made the big club. And then we, we, we went out to West, getting ready to open up against Cincinnati. And we went on strike. And before the strike was settled, they, the Dodgers got Dick Deese off of waivers from the Giants, sent me down for a couple of months. I came back and never left. But I had the privilege of playing with and against some of the best ball players, I think, in, in baseball. And I, I'm one guy that I don't like to compare times in, in, in centuries. You know, 
can you play with us now? Can you play, can we play with these kids today? Uh, there's too many changes. I think for what, what we played for, and Reggie may agree, that we had some pretty good ball players on our ball club. We played against some great ball players uh, and throughout the league, and it was a it was a great competition we had uh, to go out and win. And I was lucky and fortunate enough to stick around for about 15 years and uh, played in four World Series and six divisional championships and. I got a lifetime full of memories and I got a whole bunch of teammates that, uh, that I, I choose to call friends. Well, Steve, let me just ask you this. We, uh, before we go to break, uh, and we're going to come back and talk about the, the transition out of, uh, uh, the game in terms of playing on the field, but take two minutes and tell us about this. Lou Brock said you had the greatest arm for a catcher that he ever saw. Now, Lou Brock is a guy who probably stole a couple bases off you, and you probably caught him a couple times. 98 miles an hour is what somebody once put a gun on you throwing from a crouch to second. Is that true, or is that uh, uh, exaggeration? Well, I have, I have no idea. I might have been Reggie stole from right field when Parker was scoring from second base. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I still got bruises as a heel for that. But, no, Lou Brock was uh, by far – I mean, I – I used to see Lou get a lead. I'd be yelling at him during a game, during that bat. I mean, give me half a chance. And I can remember that Bob Gibson was over in the old dugout in the old Dodger Stadium before they re remodelized it. The, the dugouts were a mile away. They really were. They had a lot of foul territory. That's why it was a pitcher's park back then. And I remember Gibson used to yell at me, Jaeger, he's going, he's going, he's going to this. And, and Lou would take off, and I didn't have a chance. Lou took off again, and the same thing with Gibson. And it, it, this goes on about – Two times, and the third time, Lou gets on base, and Gibby says it. And you, you know when you've done something right. As a hitter, when you know you've hit the ball and didn't feel it, and you know you've hit it well. When you make a throw sometimes, you just know it's there. I threw a ball to second base, and Davey was there, and I got Lou. And when I let it go, I started looking at the first base dugout for, for Gibson, right? And I'm yelling at <laughs> Gibson. He's coming back to you. <laughs> Gibby had, had crawling on his hands and knees from one end of the dugout to the other to tip his hat, you know, to me because it, it was it was a great challenge. I've got a I've got a picture of one of my sons with Lou when my uh, my oldest son Stephen was about knee high. Lou Brock was a great guy. He was a great competitor, and he got a marvelous career. He was a super guy, and and he he might have been some of the best base running guys I've ever seen. But we we had a guy on our team. David Lopes wasn't too bad either. There you go. When we come back on After the Glory, we'll ask Fred all about his major league experience, specifically the 30 years with L.A. Dodgers. Dr. Joe Alvernus on Cancer and City of Hope. What we look for in caring for patients is not only more effective treatments. We've humanized the experience of having cancer. We've tried to make this whole process something which people can get through and retain their dignity and come to some point where they can transcend that diagnosis. That is what distinguishes this place, and it's at the crux of our mission. City of Hope was a leading innovator in cancer research and treatment. Find out more at cityofhope.org. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Singh with my co-host Gary Stern and our friends Steve, Reggie, and Fred. Fred, tell us about your 30 years with the Dodgers. And if I may channel my generation, you started from the bottom and now you're here. Tell us more. Well, I um, grew up in a small town in Ohio. I always had a passion for sports. I love basketball coming from Ohio. I love baseball, a very small school. 30 people in our class. And uh, so early on, I really 
uh, wanted to figure out how can I stay connected to the world of sports. And uh, I knew uh, as I progressed through school that certainly my athletic ability wasn't going to take me uh, that far. The highest level was uh, junior college basketball. So um, I um, got into journalism and then in 1969 had the chance to join uh, the Dodgers and um, was so fortunate to spend 30 years with the Dodgers. So Fred, I got a chance to take a look at your book and one of the things that stood out to me most and you even shared this right at the beginning of our episode, you talked about when people ask you, how are you doing? You now answer by saying, I'm blessed. Tell us more about that. Well, I've been very fortunate with my health. I worked hard at it. As Stephen Reggie knows, always a runner, always took care of myself. Uh, but when I was diagnosed for uh, cancer, was 80 years old, I took uh, no prescriptions. I was in great health. And um, so um, I used to say, I'm great. But when you go through um, cancer treatment and twice they've cut my throat, the last time they took the fibula bone from my left leg and replaced my jaw bone, uh, there's a different answer than great. Uh, you know that uh, to go through that and have the wonderful health of the city of Hope, you know you're blessed. So that's, uh, uh, that's my answer today from, uh, from my heart and with my thanks to all the wonderful people who supported me. Fred, as you know, the mission of our show has been to talk about uh, life uh, for players, elite athletes after their playing days are over. And, you know, perhaps Steve and, and Reggie are the prime examples of this. Tell us a little about how, from your perspective in the front office of the Dodgers, how they thought about um, uh, alumni player involvement after their time on the field was over. I know they've had a community relations department for years and years. Talk a little about, from your perspective, of, of the care and feeding, if you will, of the former player. Not everybody has a perfect time when they retire. Uh, talk a little about how, how that was for the Dodgers. I always felt, uh, uh, in the words rather tritely, once a Dodger, always a Dodger. And that's the way that I've always felt about those people players and all people who contributed to the Dodgers. And I think that an individual can have those thoughts, but where I was so fortunate is that the true leadership of the Dodgers, the O'Malley family, uh, carried uh, that philosophy. And Steve and Reggie, and I think everyone who's been involved with the Dodgers during the O'Malley years, uh, understood that, uh, we, the, the, oh, the O'Malley's never used the word family because they knew they were running a business. But what's interesting, all the people involved felt as though it was a family because that's good business. And so uh, staying, uh, one of the great joys of my life has been staying in contact with former Dodgers. It's now been, what, 20 some years since I was the Dodger. But the friendships and the relationships, as Steve said, go on and they never leave. I, I feel as close to the former players and I always had great uh, respect for the players and I always wanted to be candid and honest with the players because 
I knew that time goes on, but what your word means and what your friendships mean. And, and that really, as I look back, honestly, is one of the great joys of my life because I was so fortunate. I had a chance to meet and know Jackie Robinson and Campy and Pee Wee and Duke and stay in touch with Carl Erskine today. So how many people are so fortunate to know the boys of summer and, um, and to be friends? I was with Jackie, his last public appearance in 1972. Those people, and really particularly Jackie and Campy stand out, are two of the most inspirational people that I've ever met in my life. Yeah, that's that's just wonderful, Fred. And uh, I know Steve and, and Reggie both had a chance over the years with the fantasy camps and otherwise to get to know some of the Brooklyn guys uh, and who were all incredible. Steve, let me start with you on, if you just take a couple minutes. The career is over. You've had the last season with Seattle. What's your thoughts? What are you gonna What are you gonna do for the rest of your life? Do you Do you think about it? Is it sort of a day to day thing, or did you approach the the years after with trepidation? How did you think about that transition from player to the life that you're gonna lead afterwards? When I first retired, I was a little bit angry because I got caught up in that collusion clause when they were trying to break the union for the players, and nobody was signing any free agents. I felt like I had a couple of years left in my career to back up some young kid to help a young catcher become a better receiver, uh, think better, how to act, how to handle the pitchers. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I had a couple of years I could, could help somebody become a, a great catcher. It never happened. And then uh, you sit there and say, well, what do I do? I said, well, I don't know. I could drive a truck. I could do this. I could do that. I could sit around and all of a sudden uh, I got a phone call from the Dodgers that says there's a guy by the name of David Ward was trying to get a hold of me. And I says, okay. So I called David and he says he's uh, going to – direct and produce a movie called Major League. So I got involved with that for a while, and I did all three of the Major League series. Then I went back to coaching because baseball has been a part of me for so many years, and like Reggie with his academy and the things that he's done for the kids in the Valley, the, the Encino area, and all around the place. He's He's gone all over, even to Florida and Texas, I assume, and he's gone so many places to put his school and his knowledge to work uh, and have a good setup. Uh, he's done a remarkable job helping these young kids not only become a better hitters, but better people and better players uh, in general. And that was something that the Dodgers used to do for us. I think they taught us how to be a Dodger at a young age. Back in 1967, you were a Dodger on the field, off the field. You you represented the, the word there. And, and even though, like Fred's saying, that Peter and Walter never called us a family, they knew it was family because they got involved with us. And I don't know how many times you can find an owner and have Christmas in February in Vero Beach when it's about 90 degrees out there. We get the snow in <laughs> for the kids. The thing that the, the O'Malley family did for all of us as players, I can't remember seeing Peter in the clubhouse more than a half a dozen times. He became president uh, of the ball club in a clubhouse. It was unheard of. Uh, even uh, Campanus wasn't down there a lot uh, in the dressing room. So it was the players. And I think that Reggie, you know, we look back, we – we kind of governed ourselves, you know, when we got, yeah. we were upset, we have a meeting in the old angel clubhouse and we'd aired it out right there among ourselves. No coaches, no managers, no nothing. Go back there, get it worked out and go on the field and beat somebody up because that was one of our sayings, just go out and beat their ass and take their names down later. That was it. <laughs> well, Steve, we're going to uh, take a break here. And uh, when we come back on after the glory, uh, we're going to talk to Reggie about uh, his uh, transition from playing to being nothing less than a scientist 
and an artist when it comes to the uh, subject of hitting a baseball. When we come back on After the Glory. Dr. Linda Malkus on Cancer and City of Hope. I call this place the field of dreams because if you can dream of a new therapeutic, be it a biologic or small molecule, cell-based therapeutic, you can make it here and deliver it right to the patient. The mission is cure, and everyone is looking in the same direction. City of Hope is a leading innovator in cancer research and treatment. Find out more at cityofhope.org. Back on After the Glory, Reggie, tell us about finding glory after the glory. What was your transition into life after being an active player like? It was a fairly easy transition because when I retired, I was ready to go. And it couldn't have happened on a better note for me because my lasted bat in professional baseball was a three-run home run that I hit in uh, I, I got to walk away and let and having that as a lasting memory. Talk about a mic drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and oddly enough, my first at bat that season was a three-run home run. I hit it left-handed over the center field uh, fence, and my last at bat was a three-run home run right-handed over the center field fence. So, but anyway, walked in and, and transitioning, that came back. Uh, it started a, a small company. It was... Uh, computer supplies and then an opening came up I was I was asked to buy the uh, Dodgers if I would have any interest in either managing or coaching and I I thought about it and baseball had been my life and it would at least get me out of suits for a while and I wound up uh, accepting a job as a, a roving instructor for the Dodgers and I realized at that time that's what I needed to do and after coaching, uh, during that time, I had always been taught by my mother, and she talked about, you know, the only way to keep a gift is that you have to share it. So when I left uh, uh, baseball, I had already started my baseball camps and everything, and I loved, absolutely loved doing it. And the information and the things that had been shared with me by a lot of the greats of the games and the opportunities that uh, baseball had provided for me it was I felt it was my obligation to give back and, and, and share that information with kids and often my hero was baseball hero is Jackie Robinson and knowing that his legacy was about what people felt and what he was able to contribute to society and, and mankind uh, well what better way to honor my hero and, and do those things uh, to share the information and share the gifts that were given to me uh, being able to play this little boy's game of baseball. Well, I'll tell you something, guys. Uh, as, an, as an older boy, I can tell you that um, among the incredible gifts of, I've had in going to six fantasy camps is when you're in the batting cage and a Reggie Smith or a Steve Yeager come in and teach you a little about hitting, you know you are, as Fred says, blessed. Um, I want to close out our session today by recognizing that just in the last week or two, we've lost some really incredible people in the Dodger family. Uh, there have been a lot of losses this past year. Don Newcomb, Lou Johnson, Ron Peronoski, Jay Johnstone. I don't want to forget Sandy Scully, uh, Rayford Johnson, who was a friend of the Dodgers as well. 
But just recently, we've lost Tommy Lasorda and Guy Wellman, uh, important people to our fantasy camps, important people to the Dodgers. Let me start with Fred. Fred, a couple of comments on Tommy Lasorda and Guy Wellman. Two Dodgers for a lifetime came, uh, as Steve well knows, from the Dodger system. And two people that were always uh, totally dedicated to baseball, to the Dodgers, and to helping young players. And um, it was part of the, um, the Dodger uh, legacy. Walter Alston uh, had a career where he had one major league at bat. With Tommy, uh, certainly it was his passion for the game that took him from a third-string pitcher at Norristown, Pennsylvania High School, to the Hall of Fame. And with Guy, whose uh, career started in the late 1940s, and uh, as anyone knows in the Dodger organization, how important Guy was to those players coming through the system. And uh, Reggie and Steve both followed in the footsteps after their great careers to helping other players and making uh, an impact and in helping others. Steve, Reggie, just a minute or so on, on each. You know, Guy Wellman, I'll start with Guy first because uh, he's he, he's a, a man that, uh, that was around a long time. I mean, what was he, 95 99. years old? 99. 99 years old, 99 and a half. Uh, he'd been in a Dodger uh, system for a long time. I can remember one funny story with Guy that, uh, that helped me for many years in the minor leagues and even in fantasy camp, he's always telling me something. But I can remember walking as a young catcher in the organization, I'd be on the strings area. And if you know where the strings area was, it's all a catcher did in the minor leagues would go from the strings to the, this, to that field to catch batting practice. All we did was catch. We never got a chance to hit. <laughs> and and I, at the end of my catching about 15 pitchers that day, I went over to the batting cage. It was outside. You had to cross a bridge. And you had to walk by a half field. And I walked over there, and Guy Wellman and Tom Howler was uh, – was there practicing and uh, I had a pretty good arm and the uh, guy says what do you think kid and I said well have him throw a couple and then he threw a couple Tom did and he, I looked at, look at his shoe I said where's he dragging his foot he's dragging his foot on the outside part of his shoe I said drag the inside part get push off of it and go from there he threw some a little better so uh, I was just a snot nosed kid at about 18 years old when I did this and I went to the batting cage and, and, and finished a little hitting off the iron mics. And I went to the minor league clubhouse and there was a brand new glove that Tom Howler had sent over to me. That's, that's the, that's a treatment that the Dodgers did to, to a lot of young players. And if it hadn't been for Guy Wellman, that opportunity hadn't come up. And Guy's been a, a, a godsend to everybody between Guy Wellman, Monty Basco, Red Adams, uh, Walter Austin, guys I grew up with teaching me how to play this game and how to be a better person. I don't know what I do. Then you get to Tommy is a different animal because we're certainly going to miss Tommy. Tommy was the greatest motivator I've ever seen. He's one of a kind. He, uh, he, he, he never forgot a name of your parents or your kids. Your kids were always walking in the clubhouse. They had to call him Uncle Tommy. And uh, he'd jump our butts pretty good at times, and then he'd jump us just to get us motivated. That He was a great <laughs> motivator. He was, a, he was a, a father, a friend, a brother, whatever, a commandant, whatever you needed – Tommy to be, Tommy was there. And Tommy loved his players. Uh, if you struck out four times, he'd give you a pat on the back or a big hug. Uh, if you got four hits, he gave you a big hug, and, and you go from there. Tommy wanted to win, and that's what he taught us to do, is to win. Go out and do your job and win. 
never say never and just be yourself and go out and have a lot of fun. We had a tremendous amount of fun in that clubhouse. And Reggie, I'll tell you that. We had a lot of fun and a bunch of guys for a lot of years. And it all goes to Tommy and Tommy's attitude and Tommy's behavior of what he did. Tommy was one guy that's going to sincerely be missed. And I, like I say, he was a Dodger in the sky, as far as I'm concerned. Blue heaven. There he is. There That's you Tommy. go. Well, I'm going to make an executive. Uh, I'm going to make an executive decision. We're going to uh, have one more segment, uh, so that we don't shortchange Tommy and Guy, and um, and have some closing thoughts for City of Hope and uh, Fred. Uh, when we come back on After the Glory, a little extra session with our guests Fred Clare, Steve Yeager, Reggie Smith. When we come back. Hey, this is Lucy Sang here from Resiliency. I am a certified life coach focused on working with athletes and like-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. My goals are to serve as an accountability partner and offer different perspectives while my clients are facing big challenges and decisions. I also lead workshops and offer group coaching on topics such as avoiding burnout or transferable skills. Follow me on Instagram at resiliency, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E, underscore coaching, resiliency underscore coaching, for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, I am excited to share my expertise in working with athletes and look forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. And we're back on After the Glory, and uh, as we conclude this uh, very memorable episode in tribute to City of Hope and to our guests, Fred Clare, Steve Yeager, and Reggie Smith. Reggie, uh, let me pick up where Steve left off. Uh, your thoughts about the recent passings and the, the lives of Tommy Lasorda and Guy Wellman. Well, first of all, it's kind of a tough thing to follow uh, Fred's description and, and certainly uh, Boomer's there, but... You know, uh, Tommy was the first manager to ever say to me that that I need you. Well, and I had come over to the Dodgers with, a, I'm sure, a pretty rough reputation of everything and accused of being a troublemaker and everything. And so I was pretty much into not looking at myself as any type of leader or anything like that. But it was a case of that, that fine, if, if I have to lead they said just get on my back if I got to carry just don't get in my way and so in tennis to Tommy he, he he said that's the attitude that I need because you can be a big difference with this ball club and you know having like I say again the manager like that and, and just let you go and accepting you and allowing you to play the game that uh, he you knew how to play uh, tremendous respect for him I coached with him uh, it both at the major league level and in the Olympics knew him well and I always appreciated that and, and along with all of the other things that Steve talked about that he what he allowed us to do and the fun that we had and the fact that we were able to discipline ourselves Guy Wilman was another mentor because as I be, when I became the field coordinator it was uh, through Fred and Charlie Blaney and Guy Wellman that I learned the job and you know what, what I could do to, to get better at it and talk with him during fantasy camps about that and at that time and gained a tremendous respect for the job and for Guy as, as a person and as an individual and um, they're going to be missed and they 
or both people that had a, a significant role in in my development as not only a player but but uh, as someone that worked in the other side you know the, the the front office side of the field well i want to thank all of you uh, and and as we conclude this episode of after the glory and i want to make sure we thank our sponsors for uh, withdrawing their advertisements today so that we can focus all of our uh, break time on uh, on learning about City of Hope for our listeners. Uh, and I want to close with this, Fred. Bill Plaschke of the LA Times gave you a tribute in 2017 that led to you finally being brought back to Dodger Stadium after some years away to be honored. And Bill Plaschke said this, the echoes of Dodger Stadium will always include him because Dodger history was forever changed by him. In a dramatic reversal unmatched in franchise lore, the former sports writer weaved a classic comeback tale that stabilized a franchise, immortalized a manager, helped turn lost souls into champions. It's an incredible tribute. Fred, would you close it out for us today with some thoughts about your life and City of Hope that we honor today? Well, two thoughts. Uh, Bill's kind words. I can remember when we were on the verge and got into the World Series, the verge of winning a world championship, I had one primary thought. That thought was, this is going to give me an opportunity to thank the people that made it possible. And what was on my mind, and it's there in the recording of the World Series presentation, this is going to give me a chance to thank our scouts our player development people, our players, of course, and our staff. But that was really the, uh, the essence of it, I was being part uh, of, of a team. And when I think of teams, and I've said, the two greatest teams I've ever been a part of are the Dodgers and City of Hope. And there's a very real connection. I treasured the days when I walked into Dodger Stadium for 30 years and go into that clubhouse because I knew there was a common bond that existed. And it may sound strange. I felt the same thing as I started to go into City of Hope five years ago. I was now part of a team and I could see my teammates. Many of them were fighting for their lives. And there was that common cause to help one another to be as good as we could be and to know how fortunate we were to be there with uh, great people who truly cared and wanted to achieve. So um, uh, again, uh, just I feel very fortunate uh, to have had um, a life that has enabled me to um, enjoy being a part of those teams. You've all been inspirations to us. And before I turn it over to Lucy to wrap up, uh, just remember uh, to all of our listeners, City of Hope is an amazing place, whether you need it yourself for your family. And of course, we could uh, appreciate uh, donations that uh, can be made. You cannot donate to a better place in, in the world of uh, healthcare than City of Hope. Lucy? And as we wrap up this episode of After the Glory, we want to thank our special guests, Steve Yeager, Fred Clare, and Reggie Smith, as well as our sound engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne, our producer, Mark Allen, and the president of Podclips, Mike Anderson. Hope you join us again on a future episode of After the Glory. We sign off today.